Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Highland Park Baptist Church. The preaching and teaching ministry of Highland Park is led by our pastor, Dr. Jeremy Wallace. Our desire is to help you grow in your faith so that you can better glorify God, make disciples, and love others. To learn more, visit us at hpbc.church. Now, here's this week's message. We are certainly thankful for um, the week that we had. And understand, church, from the standpoint, I want to say thank you to you because this is an investment for us. VBS is not just something we do every year and just hope it goes all right. We invest in this because we truly want to see lives changed. We truly want to see lives impacted. And so um, this is something we put a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy into. In fact, um, I I would love, I know I'm already planning for next year's VBS. The workers are like, no, give us a little bit. Um, But we're already thinking about next next year and looking forward to that. And even in the children's church this morning, they're kind of doing a VBS wrap-up, kind of summarizing everything and wrapping it up. And so parents, those of you who brought kids this morning are not part of our church. We want to say thank you for allowing them to come. Thank you for bringing them this morning. Um, And we would love to see you back here at Highland Park again at some point. We have this service at 11 o'clock, our traditional service. Then we also have a contemporary service at 8.30. We'd love to see you at either one of those. But thank you all so much for being here. If you have your Bibles, we're going to spend just a few minutes in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there with me. I thought this would be a good opportunity to take a break from our series in the book of Acts and talk about a couple things. One is our, our responsibilities to children, and you, you'll see that outline on the back of your bulletin. But I also thought it'd be a good opportunity to kind of explain a little bit about um, why we believe ministry to children is so important. Why as a church we need to be not just committed to what we're already doing, but why we as a church should be committed to growing our children's ministry um, and striving to reach out and see more kids and more families come and be a part of our church. And so that, I want to do both of those things, and, and we're not going to take a lot of time. I, I read a statistic several years ago that I found was pretty interesting. They went out and they surveyed churches that were thriving, churches that had a good balance of all ages within the church, meaning they, they weren't just reaching one demographic, they were reaching all. But specifically within that, they had a growing and thriving children's ministry and a growing and thriving um, ministry to, to young families and to young couples. And then, then that tr- trickled up and grew their ministry to all age brackets. And one of the things they found in that is in churches that are growing and churches that are thriving, the number the, the first staff hire that those churches make after the senior pastor now is a children's minister or a children's ministry director. And that may be a little different because that's not always how it's been. In the past, churches would typically, they'd hire senior pastor, and then as they grew, they'd hire somebody to do music, and they'd hire somebody to do usually youth, and then down the line a little bit, as they grew, if the church got large, then they would hire a children's minister. Well, all of that has shifted to where now the first hire after a senior pastor or a lead pastor is a children's ministry director or a children's pastor. And as I was thinking about that, I was like, wonder why? I mean, I wonder, wonder why the shift has taken place, and it, I think it's common sense, but it kind of dawned on me anyway, that in order for churches to reach the next generation, it has to be something that they prioritize, meaning it will not happen accidentally. If, if churches are going to be healthy, then they have to have 
a group in the church of young families and young kids. I mean, that, that's the he- part of the health of the church, meaning if we fail to have young families and young kids, then we have no future. Right? Just kind of common sense. If we want our church to make an impact 20, 30 years from now, the best way to make an impact 20 or 30 years from now is by impacting the lives of children today. So if we look and say, you know, in 20 years, I want, we want our church to be having a, a tremendous impact in our community, and we want the community to be changed and lives to be changed, the best way is not to wait till 20 years comes and then start trying to have an impact. The best way, the most effective way of doing that is to impact the lives of children today. But again, I want to reiterate, that will not happen accidentally. We will not drift to that. And so as we're thinking about this and looking at our church, I mean, our church has some programs to, to children that are amazing. I mean, I think of VBS, isn't 200 kids amazing? Here this past week, we have a hoops basketball program and um, really kind of starts up in, 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 the, in the fall, but then really kicks off January, February, close to 200 kids involved in that. We have our latchkey after school program. This past year, we had over 140 kids in that. You look at that and say, wow, that's amazing. It, I mean, it really is. All of these kids, all of these families. The question, though, for us is how are we going to continue to grow and improve and reach out to these kids and these families in our community? So one of the things that we realize that we need to do is kind of what that statistic said, and and that is to intentionally prioritize our ministry to families and young, young children. And one of the ways that we believe that we need to do that is by adding a staff position um, for a children's pastor or a children's ministry director. Several, a couple of months ago, um, at a business meeting, our church voted to approve a search team for the purpose of looking and finding the right fit for us to bring someone in, for a staff person to come in and lead our children's ministry. As great as all of these programs that we have to children are, there's, there's a couple pieces missing. One is we need someone to coordinate all of them, to coordinate latchkey, hoops, vacation Bible school, children's church, Sunday school, stuff on Wednesday evenings. We need someone to coordinate all of those things. Another thing that we need is we need someone to intentionally help us improve the quality of everything we're doing in children's ministry. We have to have a children's ministry that is top-notch, that is high quality, that is safe, that is secure, that understands needs facing today's families and today's parents. And so we want to bring someone on staff who can lead us in that effort to help us continue to build a high quality, exciting, life-changing children's ministry here at Highland Park. And I'm excited about it. We're right in the middle of that search process right now. And here's what I think will happen. I believe that as we prioritize this, and as we say, yes, we want to reach the next generation, and yes, we want to secure the health of our church, and yes, we want to impact our community and our nation for years and years to come, and as we prioritize those things, you know what I think will happen? I think we, are y'all awake? Are y'all listening? I think we will have families with young kids come in and there'll be life and more energy, but we have to make the deliberate decisions to pursue that. 
Um, and so I'm excited. I, I, I realize that we've, we've talked about it some on Wednesday evenings, and we've talked about it in some of our meetings that we've had around. And I realize, you know what, if they're not in one of those meetings or they're not here on Wednesday evening, then they may not even know kind of what our vision is. And so we are right in the middle of that search process now, hoping to find God's person to bring in, to coordinate, to help us enlist, train volunteers, and then to move our ministry forward so that, not just so that we can have a dynamic children's ministry, but so through that ministry, lives and families can be changed. And I'm very excited about that. I wanted to let you know what path we're on, but then I also wanted to let you know if you have any questions at all about what we're looking for, why, how it's going to work, um, feel free to come and see me. I'd be more than happy to answer those questions. So that's the first thing I wanted to do this morning. Second thing is, if we have that ministry, then we have to understand what are our responsibilities to children. And what is great about this passage in Deuteronomy is that it applies to every single one of us. You may be here this morning and you have children at home. You have children in your home. This passage applies to you. You may be here and you no longer have children in your home, but you have grandchildren. This passage applies to you. You may be here and you have neither of those, but you're involved in our church and you're working in our children's ministry, or maybe you help out with some of our children's programs. This passage applies to you. So I think there is something for all of us to learn from Deuteronomy chapter 6 this morning. If you have your bulletin, look on the back. We're going to go through this quickly. But I want to drive home a couple of key truths that I think we all need, that I think we all need to be reminded of. If we're going to teach our children and we're going to guide our children and we want our children to grow and to be responsible citizens contributing to society, I think the church can play a huge role in that. But there's several things that we have to highlight, several things that we have to emphasize. But I want to view this from a spiritual perspective. So you're taking notes. First thing I want you to see is God's desires. What are God's desires for children? What does he want us as Christians, as a church, to pass down to our children? Well, this passage shows us a couple of things. Look with me, if you will, starting in Deuteronomy 6, verse 1. This is the command, the statutes, the ordinances that the Lord your God has instructed me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and to possess. Just before we actually look at these first couple points, I want you to notice that this is not just Moses saying, here's what I want you to know. He is communicating what God wants them to know. He is communicating what they are to pass down to their children and to their grandchildren. So this is not just some side suggestion. If you're here and you're wondering, I wonder what God wants our children to know, he is about to tell you in this text. So here's the first thing. God's desires A. God desires that we and our children fear him. God desires that we and our children fear him. Verse 2, do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life. Pause right there. We have to understand the word fear. Sometimes when we hear the word fear, we have a wrong understanding of what it means. Sometimes we think that God is in heaven with a baseball bat waiting to hit us over the head, knock us back in line as soon as we mess up. That's not really the full idea of fear. The idea of fear in Scripture usually is the idea of reverence. It's the idea of respect. It's the idea that you have this awe for God. So the first thing that God desires is that all of us, including our children, have this respect, this reverence, this awe for who God is and what God has done. Secondly, God desires that we obey him. I know this is, seems basic, but it's a reminder for all of us. Again, verse 2 continues um, in our text that we're reading. God give you, God, all the days of your life by keeping all his statutes and commands. Again, there's the idea of obedience. 
God desires not only that we fear him, but that we also obey him. This parallels very closely with the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon was the wealthiest individual to ever live, and Solomon was the wisest individual to ever live. And the book of Ecclesiastes chronicles Solomon's journey, his quest to find joy, fulfillment, and happiness in life. And he's going through this life, and he's trying all of these different things. And being the, the wealthiest individual and the wisest individual to ever live, he had access to everything. There was, in fact, Ecclesiastes says that there was nothing that he withheld from himself. He tried everything to find joy, and to find fulfillment, to find happiness, to find meaning in life. And as you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, everything he tries, he comes back with the exact same conclusion that it's vanity, that it's worthless, that it's useless, that it has failed to provide the joy and the happiness and the fulfillment that he was searching for. But what is interesting is you get to the very end of the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon is at the end of his life. He's tried all of these things. He's getting ready to die. He comes to the end of his life. He looks back over it all. He says it was all vanity, but then he says, I figured it out. I came to the end of my life and I figured out what it is that brings the joy, fulfillment, happiness, meaning to life. And if you read the, really the last three or four verses in the book of Ecclesiastes, here's, here's what he says. He says, the whole duty of man is to fear God and to keep his commands. Fear God and keep his commands. He said, I have tried everything else in life. I've tried relationships. I've tried drugs, alcohol. I've tried money. I've tried possessions. I've tried power. I've tried all of these things. And when I get to the end of my life, I look back over all of it and said, it is all worthless. The whole duty of man, the meaning of life, what brings joy, fulfillment, meaning is to fear God and obey God. So then it makes sense why Moses says, listen, if there's something you're going to pass down to your children, pass this down. See, far too often we care more about our children's happiness than we do their holiness. We care more about their future career than we do their future character. We care more about passing on material things that will pass away that we fail to pass on spiritual things that will last for eternity. See, we have to understand in a ministry to children, whether in the home, whether it's grandchildren or in a church, we have to pass on those things that are eternal. Second thing I want you to see on your outline is God's commands. Again, two things under, underneath this that I think we have to understand. Here's the first one. Be committed to God alone. Verse 4, if you look at it, it says, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And what this is literally saying is, God is the one and only. Now, you may say, well, why was he telling them this? Well, if you think back through the history of the nation of Israel, they had a problem with idolatry. They had a problem with worshiping other gods. And so Moses is telling them, okay, you're going to pass this down, but understand the God you serve is the one and only God, which means as you serve him, you should serve him alone. We may not build golden idols and we may not carve idols out of wood and put them in our house and bow down to them and do sacrifices and all of those types of things, but we are just as tempted to be guilty of idolatry as they were. For some people, the temptation or the idol in your life, what, it, what, what you have a tendency to make God in your life is your career. For some of you, it's your bank account. For others of you, it's position or power. Understand something. God, the true God, 
is to be served and he is to be served alone. And anything that we allow to creep into our lives that we value, prioritize, think of as more important than God is indeed an idol to us. So it is possible for you to be here this morning living in the United States of America and be guilty of idolatry. Be reminded that God is the one true God. Second thing, we are to love God from the heart. Verse 5 and 6 are very familiar, but here's what it says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Here's what he's saying. If you are going to be able to teach your children to fear God and obey God, you have to be living that life from the reality of a heart that fears God and obeys God. What happens so often is we serve and we work and we worship and we praise. We go through the motions of all of those things in an effort to disguise the reality of our heart rather than worshiping and praising and serving out of the overflow of our heart. Do you see the difference? I mean, sometimes we can come in and we can go through the motions of worship and we can be involved in ministry, but if truth be told, we are doing all of these things, all of these activities, so that other people will think our heart is better than it really is. It's all an exercise in hypocrisy. We have this outward conformity, but there is no inward reality. We, we go through the motions of service, the motions of worship. And what Moses is saying here is, listen, if you are going to pass the right things down to your children, you have to model it. So here's what it means very practically, church. Parents, listen. If you're going to guide your children to fear God and obey God, it has to be something that is a reality for you in your life. Grandparents, if you are going to guide your, your grandchildren to love God and fear God and obey God, you have to model that out of the reality of your heart. You cannot fake it for long. And as a church, what we have to understand is as we strive to grow and develop and improve our children's ministry, we have to understand that everything we, it's easy to walk into a classroom and teach children and say, this is what you have to do. What you need to understand is those children are looking back at you and they are watching your life to see if what you say lines up with what you do. And if what you say does not line up with what you do, they see a problem and they ignore what you say and they mimic your actions. You know what drives me crazy? I can talk about my kids. They're not in here. Um, you know the things that my boys do that drive me the most crazy? Are the things they do that are just like me. <laughs> Isn't that true? The things that my oldest is 11, my youngest is 5. And both of them, things that drive me crazy, it's like, I learned that from you, Dad. It's like, I don't want to hear that. Be quiet. That's the temptation, isn't it? That's the danger, is that we teach something that we in turn don't model. And each and every time, I, I was thinking about this in, in the service this morning. My, my boys were sitting right down here, and I was thinking, you know what? If I tell them, okay, this is how you need to live, and this is what you need to do, and we, we have open conversations about... Um, what it means to be a good citizen and what it means to be a good church member and what it means to be a good Christian. We talk about all those things, but then what I'm often reminded of is if I simply have those conversations, but yet I do not live in a way that backs up or communicates that I actually believe what I am saying, my kids will pay far more attention to what I do than to what I say. 
every time. And I wonder how many kids have grown up in church not listening to their Sunday school teachers as much as they are watching them. And not just listening to their hoops coach, but watching them. And not just listening to their VBS worker, but watching them. I mean, I wonder if, I wonder what would happen if we became far more concerned about modeling what we teach than just teaching the right thing. So I, I, my fear is that 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, we'll look back and we'll say, you know what, I taught a lot of good Bible stories, but I failed to teach truth. Or I taught a lot of, of good Bible things, but yet I didn't actually live it out in my own life. Listen, you cannot a saying is that these, these truths, biblical principles, are not just taught, they are caught. You know what I mean by that? You teach it with your words, but then what really makes the impact is whether or not you live them. Love God from the heart. If you're not loving God from the heart, if you're simply going through the motions, that will have a negative impact on what your kids, your grandkids, kids in our church view, how they view God and how they view the church and what they view as the Christian life. So when we understand God's desires and God's commands, then we can actually now talk about our responsibility to our children. I want to give you three things in closing. You say, okay, we understand that. We, know, we understand what God desires. We understand what God's commands are. Now, what are our responsibilities? What do we do with that? So again, if you're a parent, grandparent, just involved in the lives of children, this, this is what you have to understand. Here's the first one. Teach them diligently. Verse 7, here's what it says. Repeat them to your children. You know what repeat them means? Yeah, you all got the idea. Yeah, over and over and over. It's actually a word picture that means to sharpen. My grandfather is a woodworker, and he's won all kinds of awards and prizes for woodworking. In order to be good at woodworking, you have to have, a, have, to have sharp knives, right? And I was at his house one summer when I was a teenager, and he was sharpening his knives, and he has hundreds of knives, different shapes, sizes, angles, all kinds of different things. He was sharpening his knives, and I was kind of getting, trying to get him to explain to me how he did it, because he, he would ha- start with a knife, and he would start with a rough stone, right? And he would start sharpening the knife with that rough stone, and he'd get to a point, he'd look at it, and he'd put the rough stone down, and he would get a medium stone, and he would sharpen on that a little while, and then he'd look at it and put it down. He'd get a smooth stone. He'd put oil on it, start sharpening the blade of that knife, and then he picked up something else, and I said, what's that? And he said, well, it's petrified wood. He said, the stone can only do so much. Petrified wood is what you use next, and so he started sharpening the blade of that knife with petrified wood, and then he put that down, and he picked up a piece of leather, and he started sharpening the knife on a piece of... I said, that, that knife's going to cut that leather. He said, no, if you do it right, the leather will actually give the knife the sharpest edge it could possibly have. The picture of teaching children diligently is the picture of sharpening a knife using different tools, using different methods, using different strategies, but all for the goal of com- of repeating truth, teaching truth, reinforcing truth in the life of the children. It is not enough for me to go up to my oldest son and say, Nathan, keep your room cleaned. And then, am I going to have to repeat that? Parents, am I going to have to repeat that? Multiple times a day, right? 
When it comes to teaching spiritual things, it is not enough to walk up to a child and say, hey, you need to love God. Okay, got that done. Check and move on with life. It has to be reiterated. We have to repeat it over and over and over. We have to ingrain truth, teach it different ways and with different perspectives, but all for the goal of training, of sharpening that child to the place where he understands what it means to love God and what it means to understand what God wants. But it will not happen accidentally. We can't sit back and say, you know what? I hope our children learn about God put our hands in our pockets and sit back. We have to invest. We have to prioritize. We have to pursue. I mean, if we say that we want a, a growing, dynamic children's ministry, doing more than what we're even doing now, it's not going to happen accidentally. We have to pursue that. We have to say we want to teach and teach and teach and repeat and repeat so that our children know who God is and, and how much God loves them and what he has done for them through the person of Jesus Christ. That has to be a priority. So teach them diligently. Secondly, Make loving and obeying God a part of your everyday life. B, make loving and obeying God a part of your everyday life. Notice verse 7 again. And I want you to notice where the teaching takes place. Repeat them to your children. Now notice this. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So where does the teaching take place? Everywhere, really, right? I mean, it's when you get up and when you lie down and when you're sitting and relaxing and when you're up working and when you're coming into your house and when you're leaving. And no matter what you're doing, everything is an opportunity to teach people about God. Which means it is not enough to simply come and drop them off at a class at church. Parents, I think we need to understand that the number one person, people responsible for teaching your children about God is you. It's not the church's primary responsibility, it's your primary responsibility. We come alongside and we help and we encourage and we contribute and hopefully we do a good job at that, but ultimately it's your responsibility to teach your children about God and to point them to God. We're going to do all we can and we're going to develop quality programs, and we're going to organize and structure and do everything we can to be the, 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 the greatest help to you we can possibly be, but we understand ultimately the church cannot replace the home, and a teacher cannot replace a parent. It's your responsibility. We want to help, and we pray that we can help, and we pray for you, but as the, the greatest chance we have of our children growing and not just being good Christians, and certainly that's a huge part of that, but being citizens, respectable citizens, people who contribute to society, people who love God and serve God. The best way for that to happen is when the home and parents do everything that they can possibly do and the church does everything that they can possibly do. When we combine forces and when we unite, lives are changed. We cannot do it alone. We need you. And so let me challenge you, take that responsibility seriously. Make loving God and teaching about God a part of your everyday life. Look for opportunities. And then see, let me give you the last thing and we'll be done. Explain why you hold to your faith. It is not enough, please hear me, it is not enough to explain what your faith is. It is also important and necessary that you explain why you hold to what you hold to. Skip down, if you will, and look at verse 20 through verse 25. 
I love verse 20. When your son asks you in the future, what is the meaning of the decrees or, or the commands of God, the statutes, the ordinances, which the Lord your God has commanded you? Tell him. All right? So there, there's going to come a time where as much as I tell my boys, this is what is true, this is what is right, this is what we should do, this is what we should not do, there is going to come a time where my boys come to me, and it's already happening in my 11-year-old, and they're going to come and say, why do we believe this? Why do we do this? And it is not enough for me to say, because. That's the easy answer. I, Jonathan was doing something, five-year-old was doing something the other day, and he was in trouble. I know you all are shocked by that, right? He was in trouble, and I asked him, Jonathan, why did you do that? And he said, because. I said, Jonathan, give me an answer. He said, because is an answer. He gets that from his mom. <laughs> Y'all believe that, right? The whole point, though, was I wanted more than just because. And when our kids come to us in our homes and our grandkids come to us and kids in our church come to us and they ask questions, well, why do we believe this? Why do we do this? Why is this a priority for us? We can't just say because. We have to be able to explain, and if you, I'm not going to read this now, but if you read down through the end of the chapter, you see that he tells them to tell them about how great your God is and tell them about how God has provided and how God has protected. You sit back and you say, we believe in God and we love God because we understand what God has done for us. It is a priority for us because we know that God is real and that God loves us. So let me summarize this and then we'll be done. I'm committed to our church having a dynamic, growing, life-changing children's ministry. But if we simply build a structure and build programs, but yet we don't have the right content and we don't have the right focus, then it's all worthless. And so what we have to understand is the Bible guides us in this. And so I want to challenge you, parents, understand that you have a responsibility to guide your children, to teach diligently your children about who God is and what God has done. And we will come alongside and we will help, but we need you. And we'll help you know what to teach and how to teach, but we have to do this together. Grandparents, you have a responsibility as well to guide your children to know and to love God. And then all of you, 80-some of you were involved in VBS as workers, volunteers this week. More of you are involved in other areas of children's ministry. Understand that we have a responsibility to point our children to truth. And let us all understand. And here's the primary challenge this morning. If we simply say the right things and we simply teach the right things, but yet we don't model it in our lives, our children will notice the disconnect each and every time. And so, yes, let's be committed to teaching truth, and let's be committed to doing all these things we're talking about, but let's also be sure that it's flowing from the reality of our hearts, that when we tell our children, you need to love God, they can then look back at you and they can see, you love God. And when you teach your children to serve God, they can look back at you and they can see the joy of serving God. And when you teach your children to worship and to praise God, they can look at you, and then when, they, when they turn around and look at you at church, whether they're their parents or their grandparents, they see people who are excited about worshiping God. I mean, what does it say when we teach our children, hey, you need to worship God, and they come in and when they look at us worshiping God and we are just kind of there going through the motions. Children are going to learn more by watching us 
than they will by listening to us. Let's be sure that as they watch, they see us model what we teach. And for some of us, that means we have to change some things in our lives. We all stand with me as we close. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer, and I'm going to give you a chance just where you are to pray and just to say, God, I have kids. God, help me to, to guide them correctly. Or I have grandkids. Help me to guide them correctly. Or, or I, I want to pray for our church as we seek to grow and impact more kids and more families for Christ. Whatever situation you're in, let's spend some time praying this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. God, I pray that you would help us today to understand that we have a huge responsibility as well as a wonderful opportunity to impact the lives of children. And God, we understand that as we impact the lives of children today, that allows us to impact our communities in the future. And God, there are many of us who know the right things to say, but God, up until this point, we have not been committed to modeling it. And so I pray that you would help us all to, yes, teach truth, but then to live it. So that as children look at us, whether it's at home or here at church, when they look at us, they see people who live and who practice what they teach and what they say they believe. And God, I firmly believe that as we are committed to doing that, that we will see lives changed for the better. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have any questions or want to know more about having a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact us online at hpbc.church. Please join us again next week as together we seek to know Christ and make Him known.